We seen the well-intended images, white faces and a sea of black or brown faces in a far-off land. They've come to help, but too often their intentions are seen as self-serving, a bomb for their wounded conscience. They don't want to recognize the injustice in their own backyard, but will pay to head off to some far-flung region of the world that can't do anything without their help. Dig a well, take a photo with a grateful brown face, and, and let the social media praise ensue. But what a lot of people of color notice is that you rarely, if ever, see those same people post a photo of themselves helping other white people. It's as if there is no place in the entire world where white people are poor or in need of help. In 2012, Teju Cole lit up the Twittersphere after watching the short documentary Connie 2012, which is about the atrocities committed by Joseph Kony and his followers in Uganda. What he had to say led to a lot of hand-wringing as he laid out seven points of the white savior complex. Quote, From Sachs to Kristoff to Invisible Children to Ted, the fastest-growing industry in the U.S. is the white savior industrial complex. What is the white savior complex? And is it necessarily a bad thing? This is Loki Mulholland, and it's time to get uncomfortable. We're joined today by freedom writer and civil rights activist Luvon Brown. And, uh, hello, Luvon. How you doing? Hi, Loki. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. So, <laughs> the white savior complex. You ready for this? Uh, I'm no. But let's give it a shot. All right. To many white Americans, helping people of color has become a damned if you do and damned if you don't sort of proposition. Whatever we do, it's not good enough, and our intentions are interpreted as, as indicative of our unconscious inherent bias. What's wrong with helping people, even if they don't look like you? I, I, I think that I, I think that a lot of people that want to help out are like caught up in I don't know poli- the politics of the situation. For instance, I know that some people who go to South Africa or Kenya or any number of places who are white really just want to help out. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that they get sort of grouped with everybody else who goes because they feel good. Um, it makes them feel good. It doesn't do much for the people, but it makes them feel good. Well, the people who want to do well or they get trapped with the people who really want to do it for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was a, one of the jobs I had was jobs. One of the tasks I had was interviewing uh, med students who were going to med school. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of, of uh, organizations now who go to Africa or South America or wherever, uh, mainly to help the students. In other words, they can say that they've done so and so in um, in in Africa, and that'll help them get into med school. Mm. They really aren't doing it for the for the uh, the people in the country. They're doing it for themselves. They're, right. They're they're organized to go to help uh, get into the med school. There are people, on the other hand, who they go to help out. Right. They go because that's the place to go to help out. I don't know mission. I don't think of much of missionaries, but people who there are people. I have friends who have gone to places or have come up in places, and they help people. They just happen to be another color, right? And they they do it there rather than here because, quite frankly, very often when it gets done here, it doesn't have the same impact. 
and people don't appreciate it as much. Um, and we tend to go what's simple to do. Uh, so the people who go to dig wells or to plant gardens or to do whatever, they really just go because it's easier to plant a garden than it is to take on GMO foods, for instance. Sure. Uh, so th there are a lot of reasons why people go, but they all get trapped into this. Uh, they get they get labeled that they're doing it for themselves. Some are, but some aren't. They're just good people. Yeah, but again, like you said, they get they get labeled. I mean, some of this, some have said this is like tied up in the history of colonialism, where in European countries we're civilizing, you know, the savages of Africa, those sort of things. You know, well, sure. Is there something in our subconscious, in our you know, in our subconscious that uh, that that is part of that? I think so, but but it's it's sort of I don't know. I guess it is. I, but so so but you'll get black organizations that will go over to Africa. Right. Yeah. And go and and do the same thing, but they're not being late, you know, and they'll take the same photos. But suddenly, it's different. Now, they're they're pretty far removed from Africa. Right. Right. They've they've lived they've lived their entire lives in America. Right. And now they're going over to this third world country somewhere in Africa, for example. Um, but now they're going back to their roots. They're going back, you know, to their ancestral home, and that makes it okay. But yet there's this. Is there not still this patronizing nature of we're we're Western and we can help? I think for some of them there is. Uh, again, I think we have a habit of just lumping everybody together. For instance, right, uh, the singer, uh, 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 what was his name? Uh, he brought back uh, Lady Smith Black Mombasa, Paul uh, Paul Simon. Paul Simon. He brought back this group. Mm -hmm. And everybody was attacking him because he was a white guy who went and got this black group of people. Now, they forget the fact that when he went to South, first of all, he didn't stop black people from going. He didn't say you can't go. Right. He, he said, I'm going. And he said, I don't want to, I will not entertain a segregated audience. Right. While he was in South Africa. He said that. And then he brought Lady Smith Black Mambaza back to the United States, whose music we've all enjoyed. Well, I don't know we all, but a lot of people have enjoyed. He did that because he was a musician. Right. And he didn't keep anybody else from going. But he was attacked for being a white guy and going and bringing back Lady Smith Black Mambaza. If he was going to be attacked, you know, why didn't uh, a black artists go. He didn't, he didn't say you can't go. He just said, I'm going. Mm -hmm. And he didn't do it here because, first of all, he wanted to hear the music because that's sure. what he was. But secondly, right. a lot of the stuff gets done here. The, the, the people don't get credit for it, white or black. Mm -hmm. So they go over to Africa and they're going to soothe the savage and, and help out and, and help the motherland. Well, most of the motherland, quite honestly, uh, don't give a damn what color you are and don't give anybody credit for being a black American. Mm -hmm. So if a white guy goes or a black guy goes, to me, it doesn't make a difference if you're there to help the people. Right. If you're there to help the people. Now, I wish more of those people 
would do things here. Because you go out west, you go out uh, to Kansas and places like that, you will find Indians, you will find uh, uh, Spanish people, you will find African Americans, all of whom need help. Uh, but instead, people people go to Africa. So it's okay with me that they go to Africa. I just wish they would go somewhere else. But a lot of people go because it makes them look good. You know, they can say, I went to Africa, I brought back this, I, I got some pictures of these smiling Africans, they're more appreciative, which they may be. Sure. But they're not going because they want to help people well, let me put it another way. They want to help, but instead of asking the people what they need for help, they're telling them. Right. And that's, I just came up, that's how you separate why people go. If they go and ask people, what do you need? What can I do? I'm only going to be at six months, or I'm only going to be at three months. What can I do? And you sit down and you talk with the people about what their problem is. Mm-hmm. That's not generally what happens. What happens is people go and they tell people what the problem is. They make assumptions about what they need based on the way they've grown up. In my other life, I'm a filmmaker, and one of my more fascinating films I created is the award-winning film titled Black, White, and Us. It's about viewing racism through the lens of transracial adoptions in Utah. Utah? Yeah, Utah. It just so happens to be the transracial adoption capital of the world. So what happens when white families who didn't believe racism existed anymore adopts a black child? Find it on Amazon Prime or visit LokiMalholland.com to purchase a copy for your collection. Historically, you, you have this thing of people of color can't help themselves. It's this sort of moral, moral obligation of whites to help non-whites because they can't help themselves. So... Well, not about Africa, but the Philippines. Kipling's The White Man's Burden really sets this off. Um, there's a stanza I like to read from that. It says, Take up the white man's burden, the savage wars of peace. Fill full the mouth of famine and bid the sickness cease. And when your goal is nearest, the end for others sought, watch sloth and heathen folly bring all your hopes to naught. And so what Kipling was getting at it is that the white man's moral obligation is to rule non-whites because they were savages. Right. Now, Several writers in Kipling's time didn't take too kindly to that, you know, and wrote, you know, some hysterical, uh, you know, versions of that and stuff. But hopefully most of us don't think like that anymore. Yet there is this idea that we have to go over and do it ourselves, this responsibility, not because we think people are incapable of doing it, but because we are commanded by a, a higher order to feed the hungry and close the naked, you know, those, you know, this, this, this good biblical stuff. But is there something, is, is there something else hidden in all of this, though? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think we're beyond that. I think, I mean, I think we grew up with that in mind. I think it's still, it's still there, but a lot of what goes on is where can I be the most useful and where can I do my missionary work? So it's, it's the, when they do them, I, I can't say missionaries because generally it's not about the people. It's about telling them you know, come to Jesus or come, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to have faith. You got to do everything except listen to the people. Right. They did this in Australia. Sure. They took children from from families and they said, we have to raise them because 
these savages get. Right. Well, same in America, right? So, well, sure. The slave owner thought he was doing a favor sometimes. I mean, he was helping himself, but he also thought that he was, because these were savages after all. And it's up to us to educate them, to help them. And a lot of that still goes on. And I think a lot of it is historical. Right. Uh, but now there are people, there are people who go over and actually want to help. And I'm, what I'm saying is it all becomes one thing to people. So why are people being branded as white saviors? Uh, because uh, enough of them think that way, first of all, because we refuse, that's, that's where history comes in. People refuse to believe that there are people now who really just want to help. Mm. Who, 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 you, quite honestly, my feeling is you need those white people to help fight the problem because it's theirs as much as it is mine. You need that. But historically, it's been about the savage and about we got to teach these people and we got to help these people because they can't help themselves. Right. Well, that's no longer true. But people still think that way. Um, there are white people who, who, who can help, who want to help, and they should be allowed to. There are people who want to sue the savage beasts. So they will go out and, and they, they think they have the right idea, and they go do it. And those people get lumped together because of the color of their skin. But why do we feel this need to go somewhere else? I mean, obviously there's plenty of problems here. Are people here perceived as less deserving or lazy but that those elsewhere are just victims of not living in America, obviously without realizing that their condition is largely because of our corrupt Western policies over centuries. Right. Well, the, the problem is not as obvious. In other words, they feel, I'm going to tell you what people, what we will go through. They feel that all those people out in the Midwest and, 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 and Ohio and, or Mississippi, it's their fault that they're not doing it. We've, we've solved their problem. And they don't realize it, so we're going to go help somebody else. It's not as simple. It's It requires effort. It requires a different set of beliefs. So I'm just going, I'm just going to go to Africa. Mm. Because over there, it's straightforward. They need wells. They need education. They need something. But people over here, we have to first admit that we had some, we, the country, had something to do with the situation they're in. Right, but in Africa we don't do that. We say that they just with the right proper education, this and, that and the other, they'll be okay. So we able to go over there and do stuff without admitting that the reason they're that a large number of people are in the situation they're in are because we put them there. Right, they're the slaves. They're the sons of slaves. They're they're the the whatever. Right. So I think it's easier to go to Africa because that's where the beasts are. Yeah. That's where the killings are. That's where rather than face up to what we've created here, we go to Africa. And in some places, no matter what the person's color, you may come with the best of intentions and people don't accept it because historically the white guy did it for himself, not for me. So I don't know how to accept that uh, uh, Loki Mulholland is, is is here to help me. Right. I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with that. 
So I don't appreciate it. So that's, all that stuff gets gets wrapped up in there. And I think people go, historically, we went to Africa because that's where we did missionary work. Sure. So the Africans are saying, that's enough of that. Here's what we need. Well, there's less trips to Africa now. Why? Because Africans are saying, wait a minute. We can solve this ourselves, given this X, whatever X is, education, money. Uh, so where does this person go to feel uh, gratitude? Well, yeah, but I mean, well, I mean, so there's also another thing about that, you know, just thinking about this out loud is I can send you the money, but I don't trust you with the money. So ah. I need to come over there and do it myself. Right. Or to teach you because you're not smart enough to do it yourself. That, that's what Haiti is. Right. You know how much money we've spent in Haiti? But we don't trust them. Right. And we're still hanging on to, uh, that was the first place that was... The slave revolts. Right. Successful slave revolts. But uh, we've used them. We're, we're done with that. And now we don't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we can't buy the country... Uh, we just don't want we don't have anything to do with them, so we leave. Right, uh, and I think that's what's happening in Africa now. Yeah, well, you destroy the infrastructure and everything else. You got you know trade you know trade policies that don't benefit you know anyone but yourself. Uh, exactly, and so you continue to create uh, you know a third world country. Well, yeah, and then we go over there and you know and you know go dig a well and take a picture. And then we leave. And then we go home and we feel good about ourselves. We have our photos and, you know, and let everyone else pat, pat us on the back. And we have our souvenirs and we've, yeah. we've, done, we've done all kinds of stuff. I know people who go to somewhere in Africa every every year. Oh, yeah. Uh, because that's that's their calling. Sure. And so I said to them, well, why don't you go to Ohio? I mean, <laughs> you know, they got drug problems over there. They got huge drug problems. But, you know, is, is that because, you know... I wonder from this industry, if you will, of helping people that you see the smiling faces of little children and that makes you feel safe. Whereas in Ohio, you're going, wait a second. I mean, if I go to Ohio or Cleveland, I mean, you know, it's, those aren't smiling faces. Those are thugs. Exactly. Exactly. Not realizing that those are the people we created. The poor are safe. You can go help them. You can give them beds. You can do all kinds of stuff. It's the same thing with Africa. You can do stuff, and people will appreciate the smallest thing. Right. But when it gets complicated, we run. Because that's no longer about us. That's about we might get hurt. Uh, That's about we don't have the smiling faces. We don't have the people welcoming us. So we leave. And I don't mean just white people. I mean black people as well. So uh, Teju Cole he, he, he continues with this list. And I want to read a couple more of these. So the, again, these seven points, I don't have all seven, but he says, the white savior supports brutal policies in the morning, founds charities in the afternoon, and receives awards in the evening. This world exists simply to satisfy the needs, including importantly, the sentimental needs of white people and Oprah. <laughs> he said, the white savior industrial complex is not about justice. It is about having a big emotional experience that validates privilege. Here's the question. Here's the thing we have to ask ourselves. 
And that is, does it matter where the person goes to help? Mm-hmm. In other words, if they go to Africa or they go to Ohio, doesn't matter. If they're black or white, doesn't matter if they help. Right. Or is it just the fact that they're willing to help? Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's all it is. A cigar is just a cigar. You know, sometimes <laughs> people just want to be helpful and they are. But then we but then we blast them for it. Yes. What well, unfortunately that's what happens. That's what happens. So and because this is about Coney, he says feverish worry over that awful African warlord, but close to one point five million Iraqis died from an American war of choice. Worry about that. And he says, I deeply respect American sentimentality the way one respects a wounded hippo. You must keep an eye on it, for you know it is deadly. Yeah. There's a a lot to be said for that. Uh, Because what happens is it's justified. In in other words, a few people will go over to help out and then the, the government or whoever, or the industrialists will say, you know, I need that land. And then we jump to justify them taking the land because uh, the, they don't know what to do with it anyway. Mm-hmm. Same, same thing that, that happens here. We took a whole bunch of land from the Indians because uh, it was, we needed it for the gold, the, uranium, the, the, uh, the uranium and whatever while at the same time there were people there helping them out. So we have mm-hmm. to kind of put on a dance in our minds that say, uh, we're going to help these people and we'll help them by taking over the land and then we'll take over the land and we'll educate them. Yeah. And then when they don't make it on their own, we blame them. Yeah. And that, that's what he, I, I assume that's what he's talking about. Right. Exactly. And that, that's, that, that's what has happened historically. And I'm not so sure it's not happening now. Right. There's no, all you have to do, there's a, somebody sent a cartoon around Facebook. They were about to attack a country and the country says, you know, you have nothing here we need. We don't want anything. And the guy said, we have oil. Oh, oil. We'll we send some weapons over there. So the people that that are doing it for, for, the, for the good of the people are drowned out by those who are doing it for themselves or who will acquiesce to whatever the government or the industrialist wants them to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's all that happens. But but on an individual level, though, so this, this, this the, the, the argument about the white savior thing um, is that white people don't have any other intent except for, to, you know, to glorify themselves because they don't see that other people who don't look like them are capable of doing anything themselves that we have to do it for them. Yeah, I, I understand it. I, I just, I'm not so sure that that's true. It used to be. So then, to, you know, to, to play devil's advocate here then, are, are, are black people projecting onto white people this historical wrong and not giving them the benefit of the doubt? I think so. I think that historically that was true. But I think there are a lot of white people who now just want to do, you know, on the one hand, we're telling them it's your responsibility in this country to fix racism. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not saying Africa. We're saying in this country, right. it's your responsibility. 
right? Meaning white people. Meaning white people. It's our responsibility. White meaning white people. It's just, it's it, right. You need to help us fix this problem because your ancestors were the ones who created it, for one. And we all live here, and we're all educated the same. So let's just stop this stuff about the black guy's history. The black guy got to fix it. Whatever. Then we're going to jump down the guy's throat because they want to do that. There are people, white, who just want to do things because it's the right thing to do. My work has taken me to a lot of places, and I've been fortunate to meet some incredible people. But when I came to Selma and met Joanne Blackman Bland, I knew I was in the presence of greatness. Joanne was 11 years old when she was attacked on the Edmund Pettus Bridge on Bloody Sunday in 1965. She wasn't old enough to vote, but understood its importance enough to be there. After Selma is an in-depth look at how our right to vote has eroded since the signing of the 1965 Voting Rights Act, the fight for the right to vote continues. Get informed. You can find After Selma on Amazon Prime or visit LokiMulholland.com to purchase a copy for your collection. So my mom, my mom would say that she never invited herself into a situation or inserted herself in, into one. So, for example, coming to Tougaloo College, um, there was a discussion because she was motivated by the idea of that, that integration should be a two-way street. It shouldn't just be a bunch of black students, you know, getting hell um, after what happened to um, Charlene Hunter Galt and Hamilton Holmes at the University of Georgia that Chuck McDew was like, well, why don't you uh, apply to some HBCUs? You know, go down to Mississippi. Because you know, the students haven't started anything. We haven't heard anything from the students down there. And, you know, of course, I'm sure you guys felt differently, of course. But um, so, so, so every single time it was an invitation. She didn't come in and said, and, and, and uh, imposed her will as the white person coming in and saying, okay, I know how to do this. Right. And that's her interpretation. But you'd see that, I'm sure, wherein white people would feel this need to be the ones to start to take control or to try to, you know, had their ideas on how how to do this. You see this with men a lot, where a, when a woman starts talking, like in a boardroom or whatever else, a man will quickly insert his ideas. Right. So was that did did you see that was that was that a, uh, an occurrence that would take place or was that just more of a territorial sort of thing you know Yankees coming down and or people who were yeah it was not it was not because the person was white it was because well most of the people who were involved in the civil rights movement in the beginning other than the freedom rides uh, most of them in the beginning were black but they were elite blacks meaning. Uh, they were in college, uh, the best colleges, either black colleges or, or white colleges. You know, there was Yale. There was there was all kinds of stuff with people going on, and they felt that they had the right idea. Mm-hmm. And anything that was said outside of that or in addition to that was just people that didn't quite understand what the struggle was about. You guys and were country some, bumpkins and didn't understand right. the complexities of life. Absolutely. We might not have, but we did understand Mississippi, and we wanted things to change. And the lives that you are giving up is our lives. Right. So we ought to have something to say about our lives. So, yes, we we ran into that. 
And a lot of people uh, that left the South came back. I think we, we the ones that came back to stay, had got they realized that they had to get past that. So a lot of the leadership, we had a lot of problems because a lot of the leadership uh, was angry and became angry because of this attitude. Stokely Carmichael. Stokely had ideas about what should happen. I, you know, they weren't mine, but they were his. You know, Stokely was a pan, was believed in Pan Africanism. Sure. And Stokely, Stokely wanted, you know, Africa. <laughs> I, I know it's not my thing, but anyway, that was his. Right. So I, my, my feeling is he broke up what could have been a good thing, because he told all the white people to go home. Right. There weren't that many of them, but the ones that were there. He told them to go home or go work with other white people. Right. Some people thought that was the best thing to do. Um, to, and we are, you know, next number of years later, uh, I ain't so sure that worked. Right. So in media, we, we also see this white savior complex. So one of the great examples that people like to use that, that's, uh, you know, skewered a lot uh, is the movie The Blind Side. Ah, Okay. Which uh, Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for her portrayal of, a, of this rich white woman who helps a black kid who comes from the projects where drugs and guns are rampant. And his, he's like living under a bridge or something. And it's, he's not that bright, right? Right. I mean, it's all, all the tropes, but he knows how to pound the crap out of people on a football field. Yeah, which, right. And because of her and Tim McGraw, the kid goes on to live the, the American dream in the NFL, right? Right. Um, and this is used that, Clearly, the kid couldn't help himself without uh, the help of these this, this rich white family, right? Um, that's that's where a lot of people point to. Again, it's without the help of white people, it ain't gonna happen for this kid. But at the same time, you could look at this kid and go, I, I don't know. I mean, could he have really helped himself? Who who cares who's helping him as long as someone is helping him? Well, I one hundred percent I agree with that. People get upset because white people adopt black children. Right. Well, if black people would adopt them all, we wouldn't have that problem. Sure. Right? So people historically, you know what I call it historical anger. Like the more people learn about what happened in the past, the angrier they get. And, and, and they let, by the way, they let it influence how they act. I, I guess the... I guess the the anger becomes is that the only representation you have is of black people can't get ahead without white people. Uh, you know, historically in films, that's what you see. Yes. And so there's that, that, that lack of storytelling wherein black people are helping themselves. I, I, I mean, I, I've, I saw the movie Harriet. Could Harriet Tubman have done it without the help of Northern whites? Or northern, you know, clearly, with, you know, without the help of northern blacks, right? Because she got, she could, could she had succeeded without anyone's help? Period. And so what's what's so what's wrong with? Obviously, the film is centered around this this powerful example of this woman, right? Who is doing what? You know, who's doing this? She did help herself. She went on to help other people, right. but right. she didn't do it alone. Exactly. And so there's that one idea there, but, uh, and, and finally the story is being told of that centered, that centered around her. Now, if the blind side was not centered around Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw, but instead of this kid, would we have the same, same attitude? So there's always this sort of idea that, that, that keeps coming back that 
uh, of the white savior complex that that suddenly always has to be a white person helping out and that people of color can't do it themselves without white people. Well, historically that was true, right? Because white black people didn't have power, right? And white people to this day control the corporations, white men. Right. So what's there's nothing wrong with, with that help. It's just that very often I watched it happen mm-hmm. where white people, so that they would get the credit, would hire, you know, would bring in this black person who obviously couldn't do the job. Right. But he was black. So we got, let's get some black people. Check off a box. Like, a, like it just exactly. And that's all it was. And how does that help black people? Because all of a sudden, well, hold on a second. So now, now all of a sudden you check off the box for someone who's not qualified for the job, not because of the color of their skin, just simply because they just suck at the job, right? And now you've checked off the box, and now what you've done is you created an environment that says, see, black people just can't do it. Well, that's what that's what was going on. That's what was happening. And now the mentality becomes, you know, look, they're not fit for this sort of environment. So now you've kind of... You've kind of fed fed the whole machine all over again. Well, for some people, that that's what happened. Right. But for others that got through the cracks, they are now in a position to hire people. Right. They are now in a position to bring people along. But I, I go Morgan Stanley is a company where we have used for the last six years for the Business Skills Olympics, which is something that the African-American men of Westchester do, right? Mm-hmm. The mentor for one of the guys who's now a big, big shot at Morgan Stanley, he's black. Mm-hmm. His mentor was white. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Right? Now, what was wrong, what would what, have been wrong is he only let him get so far and then he didn't do anything else for him. He didn't do that. He made nice business, right? it's strictly business. But this guy's smart. So the, the white guy said, wait a minute, he's smart. I'm going to do this. Where's the re- But it set a tone for the rest of the company. Right. So that you go up there now, and there's all kinds of black people. Business still because black people now have money. But you don't see, see, here's the problem. Uh, uh, there's still white people who will use black people to do what they want to do to feel good. But let's not get on the ones. I guess the problem I have is we only make examples like Sandra Bullock and, and this white lady who raised this kid. Well, she raised this kid. The kid went to college. Right. The kid went to Ole Miss. The kid was a pro football player. Last I heard, he was still playing. He may have quit now. There's nothing wrong with that. But but perhaps is, is it is it because there's so many movies centered around white people that that but that's the issue. Not so. Not so much that it's a white person helping a black person, but that, you know, my my gosh, man, how about you just have some movies of just black people? Period. We don't have to have every single time a black person's in a film doesn't have to be helped by a white person. Historically, many black people who succeeded in America without some help, right? Be- just because of the nature of the structure of America. Exactly. Exactly. In Mississippi, we didn't tell everybody to go home. Right. We just told them to pay attention mm. to what we had to say. And if you can't do that, then you go home. Right. So we're we're so angry about stuff 
that we're not asking the right questions. An Ordinary Hero was my first award-winning documentary. It's about the life of my mother, Joan Trumpower Mulholland, and her participation in the civil rights movement. For most of us, our mothers are heroes because they're mothers, and mom is just mom. But when your mother's a civil rights icon, and yet you never really knew it, things change. Go check out An Ordinary Hero and find out how choosing to do what was right instead of what was easy helped change the world. You can find it on Amazon Prime or visit LokiMulholland.com to purchase a copy for your collection. And it's interesting you say that about the right question because in your career, you were at one of the firms. Right. And you didn't, you didn't make partner because they didn't even think you even want to be partner. Exactly. Yeah. Because you're black. That's right. That's exactly right. Now, I had a choice. I could, I could quit, which I chose not to do. Right. Uh, or I could keep doing what I was doing and, and fight the fight to become a partner. I didn't make it. But you didn't make it, and but that cost you a lot of money. It did cost me money. Um, but, but here, you know, this, this, this is the controls of the levers at the same time. I mean, it's like this, this inability of the, the white people in charge to not even consider what you thought. Yeah. Or what your ambitions were that they even, so they projected onto you what they felt your limitations were. That's exactly what they did. And so that's part of, you know, this kind of this perverted white savior complex, if you will. And, right, and, right. And, and, and that, you know, we know what's best for you. And that's what this guy did. Right. And the only way to save you, you know, is, is we're the only ones who can save you from you. Right. Um, Right. And, and so we that's exactly right, and, and that that that's from a historical thing as well. Clearly, right? Uh, oh yeah, that's, that's what that's, that's what he came up with. That's the diet you know that people are fed, and and uh, you know they, you know that didn't happen in a vacuum, right? It doesn't. It doesn't. Ruby Bridges, you know, we were uh, at the Faith and Politics Institute and did their tour, and we were on that with Ruby Bridges and, and John Lewis and others, um, and they had this play about Ruby Bridges that, these, that this high school did. No, that was nice. Um, but one of the things she says a lot is none of us are born prejudiced. Right. None of us are born racist. It has to be taught. Right. And clearly we know that society is teaching that. Sometimes it's parents teaching that, not even knowing they're teaching it because it's just what they were taught. Right. And it's those biases and everything else that comes into that. Um, right. I don't think it's an interesting thing to think about in, in regards to the, the savior complex. So you're going in with good intentions, but sometimes your good intentions are through this lens of bias with the assumption that, right. uh, not with malintent, but with an assumption that already exists that only you, you know, that only you can do it for them because they, because a person, a person of color can't do it for themselves. Because I know what's best for you. So just listen to me, and we'll straighten this all out. But yet, now I want to twist it one more time here, though. For the civil rights movement to really work, it wasn't, you really didn't get a lot of movement until white people got involved. Because 
white people really didn't care if black people were getting beaten up or killed because that was happening for years anyways. Right. It was only when they saw themselves on camera at the lunch counters or at the bus stations getting attacked, getting killed. You know, black people getting killed in Mississippi for years. All of a sudden, Goodman and, and Schwerner get killed and, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Yeah. Right? right. James Reeve and, and, you know, and such. Right. Uh, once they saw themselves, things changed. But I have to ask. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. What? No, no, no. It's not a matter of wrong or right. It's a matter of so what? Right. And I'm not saying, I'm not, I don't mean, I'm not asking you that, sure, but I'm sure. saying, so what? So a lot of white people got involved because they saw somebody at the counter that looked like them either doing the beating or getting the beating. Right. So they said, oh shit, I gotta go. Right? Isn't that how all battles are fought? So I don't care what made them show up. I just care they showed up. Yeah. And once there, they were committed. Right. They didn't come in, most of them didn't come in with, I have an idea how to fix this, I know what to do. They know that they can get killed. Uh, the, 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 they didn't know it at day one, they knew it day two, and they stayed. Those are the ones, I mean, so who cares? Who cares? I don't. I mean, people do, but I don't. Right. And I'm, and and I think a lot of people look for reasons for a white person to act. Mm -hmm. But when I look for those same reasons for upper and middle class black to act, then it's all shucks. Well, that's who, that's who they are. Mm -hmm. So what is it that says I gotta like this black guy? Right. Because he's black, or people who say uh, politicians. Need to we need more black politicians? Well, we know that we had some black politicians. They were Republicans, but we had them. You know, Bush had more than anybody. They they were black. So what do you mean when you say, "I want more women," or "I want more blacks," or "I want more whites"? You want people like you. So I get upset at people looking for reasons for to to dislike people. Maybe a lot of them came because they, they just wanted to. Want a great way to help a worthy organization and educate children about the civil rights movement? Visit our foundation, the Joan Trumpower Mulholland Foundation, at the jtmfoundation.org. That's the jtmfoundation.org. T-H-E foundation dot O-R-G. We are a 501c3 established to help end racism through education. $5 a monthly recurring donation will provide curriculum for 30 students. As my mother used to say, I can't do everything, but I can do something, because doing nothing is not an option. If you have wanted to help in this cause, but didn't know how, now you can. The Joan Trumpower Mulholland Foundation at the jtmfoundation.org. Instead of just merely, I want more people who look like me, why don't it just be you? You want people to look like you up there? Make sure it's you up there. Make sure you're the one who is the politician or you're the one who's you know, in the movement or whatever that cause might be. Instead of saying, I want more people, you know, uh, more black teachers, well, why don't you be that black teacher? Yeah. 
why don't you make the sacrifice? Why don't you be the example? And in whatever space that might be, instead of waiting for others, be that person right. that you want other people to see. And that happens to be a good point. Now, I, personally, I tried to be a teacher. Turns out I can't be one in New York. Right. Well, because <laughs> of your record? No. No, because I never went to I never went to college. Oh, yeah. Well, there's that. I, I went to graduate school. Okay. I skipped the, the four-year college I didn't go to, but graduate school I did. Mm. And I have a master's degree. But I can't teach in the state of New York. Uh, so, but anyway, I you, you're right about that. But that's not we don't we don't we we sort of give secondary uh, value to some of those. To teachers, we give secondary value. Right. What's more important is the businessman. Well, yeah. What I'm saying is, if a person is willing to make the leap, whatever the leap is, mm-hmm. I don't care what color they are. Right. Because they will do the job that I want, that I can't do. I don't have to agree with them 100%. Right. Right? The people that you made the film about that where the white people adopted a black kid. Black, white, and us. Yeah. That might be a good thing for for the kids. Mm -hmm. Because I'm listening to those people and I'm saying, they're trying. They, They love those kids. And they're willing to go through all this angst to have them be alive. So how dare somebody come to me who's black say that, well, they're not black, so they shouldn't be adopting black kids. Right. Why not? Why not? They're doing what we asked them to do. They are involved. Now, if they raise the kid to be a Republican, we don't like that. (laughs) But the bottom line is they can be whatever they want to be. Yeah. So... It's it's we're asking on the one hand we're asking people to get involved and on the other hand we're mad about it. You should be mad about somebody who goes to Africa to get the pictures or goes to Africa in one of these medical programs because it's all about them. It's not about the children. It's not about the adults. But there are some. I don't know how many, but there are some who do it just because they they think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So, and it's interesting you say that because I was um, p- part of what Ruby Bridges said was, if you are about good, then I want you on my team because I don't care what you look like. Well, that's what it's about. Yeah. That's what it's about. That's what we need to learn more and more. I had an argument the other day with the, with the woman that takes me you know, to and from therapy. Mm-hmm. I said, we are in the habit of defending the the black people who commit crimes, who beat on women, who beat on children. I says, let's stop that. And we, I know why we do it. We do it because of color, because that used to be the only time that we ever saw in the press a black face. Right. Was doing something when they wrong. did something wrong. Right. Right. Or or they, they weren't they were an athlete or they were whatever. So let's stop that. You know, if they're wrong, they're wrong. We've reached that point. But if we keep defending those people, then we think that everybody is out to get us. I don't think that. Yeah. We we have to make that distinction. So let's not ask the people, white people, to be involved because it's our problem. 
and at the same time criticize the ones who are, uh, are on our side, the ones who set out to do good. How are they going to know what we consider good if we don't tell them? Right. So we have to tell them. They don't know. So don't invite them to the table and then say you can't eat. Well, I like that. I like that phrase. I like that. Exactly. So at the end, I mean, just obviously, I mean, there's, there's so much to go on with the the, the white savior complex. Um, it's, you, you'll know them by their fruits, right? Right. And most of them, most of the people who go to Africa or Asia or wherever, and they go for themselves, they have produced nothing and you can point to it right away. Right, right. And so, so the idea of even putting out this, this notion of the white savior complex is more to kind of, uh, I don't want to say put people on alert, but it's, it's, to, it's, to, it's to remind white people that, look, if you're going to go do something, do it with the right intent and don't do it with the idea that you're saving people that people can't help themselves go there to be a part of the process, not the, sol- not the solution itself. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, LaVon, as always, um, you know, we're not solving the world's problems, but we're doing our part to at least, you know, uh, pontificate and add, add, add our two cents to it all. <laughs> I think so. I think, I, you know, I, more people, more and more people are now listening to us. So let's hope they talk to their friends and yeah. But you know, I mean, it's all about having this conversation. You know, I mean, it's that's that's what it's all about. And and uh, hopefully, more people are having conversations. Hopefully, take these ideas into their minds and 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 run with it. But uh, uh, as always, man, I just appreciate it. It's good times, and uh, let's keep doing it. All right, let's do. Thank you again for listening. Make sure you head to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Mulholland. Show a little love if you can and get access to even more content. Until next time, don't be afraid to get uncomfortable.